He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. Andy Hall's giving Laser Hellraisers his plus one. An exclusive conversation you won't hear anywhere else. On today's edition of Hall Access. Audio from yesterday's conversation with nothing more frontman Johnny Hawkins just four days prior to the release of the band's new album, Spirits. Hey Andy, how you doing? Hey Johnny, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for your time today, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. I know just how valuable that time is, especially in the days leading up to a new release, and we are excited to finally get our hands and our ears on spirits yeah yeah man we're we're pumped as well it's been uh been a long time coming so i can only imagine what that wait is like for you guys especially considering the roller coaster ride we've been on as a people over the past year and a half but it's even bigger than that from things i've read and things you've said let's start there what does the release of spirits symbolize for you all things considered it really symbolizes a, a turning point in nothing more's evolution um, we've been kind of a band that's been figuring out who we are over the last decade. Um, as you know, or might know, I started the band on drums. I wasn't even the singer. And it was over the years that we really just kind of slowly uncovered what it was that we've resonated with as a band. You know, some bands kind of strike gold right away. I think for us, we had a longer path. And we hit this moment with uh, spirits where I think we've kind of found this this esoteric, deeper layer to, uh, you know, all the symbols that you've seen on the last few albums that have kind of manifested and evolved into these spirit character types and stuff. So we've kind of opened up a whole new world uh, just visually and sonically and so it's a big turning point for us yeah you know you've made spirits a more interactive experience than just an album drop there's the spirits test at spiritstest.com which i found fascinating as an armchair psychometrics nerd (laughs) but there was also talk (laughs) there was also talk of a graphic novel with multiple editions coming next year all of this supplemental material johnny where it would be really easy to just put out a collection of songs into the universe and hope for the best there's something more to spirits obviously yeah yeah you you pretty much nailed a lot of it um the spirits test was something that was kind of a pet uh project that i had on the side for years um when we were touring uh over in europe uh with stone sour um i remember sitting in my green room um just kind of trapped and didn't have much it didn't have the ability to work on music because everyone was busy doing different things and i had a few life uh, defining decisions to make that were going to really change the course of my path in the future years. And so that is the place where I started developing this test. It was actually a personal quest. I, I developed a test for myself that I would take every day over the course of a month or two while on that tour. And I was just a way of kind of discerning how my gut and my heart and my head and my spirit felt differently about things. And in kind of parsing that out, um, I was like, you know what? I could make this into a a test for others as well. And so that's kind of where it started years ago. And then it kind of just connected once we wrote the song Spirits, which is the title track on this album. um, It just kind of all clicked. And I was like, you know what? There's there's a connection here. I, I see with the music and the lyrics and everything, you know, our body of work with what I've been working on with this test. And so, uh, I'm excited. I think it's it's the first 
step in a long journey that we're going to take with our fans coming up. When it comes to lyrics, and specifically your interpretation of them as the author, I've noticed you've typically always been upfront and honest about the stories behind your songs. And I know it's maybe a bigger conversation when it comes to songs like Valhalla off the new album, but in general, often you hear artists insisting on the listener, figuring it out for themselves and applying the words and the themes to something that might apply to them personally. What's your take on that line of logic? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a power in letting people interpret it for themselves because I think Eddie Vedder was the one who was quoted years ago for saying that where he, he didn't want to tell people what the song was about personally because it might ruin their, their personal connection to it. Um, and, and there is definitely truth in that. And I think with some of our songs, we do that. Um, but our music is so, it's almost like a circle where if you go far enough, the other direction you end up meeting at the same point. And I think in the, in that way, our songs are so deeply personal. A lot of them that it ends up relating to people regardless of, you know, how it may differ from their experience, because there's such a, maybe a, a, a deep common experience or a deep common emotion. in some of those experiences, you know, Jenny's a good example where, that song seemed to really resonate with people regardless of the details of their life being different. They knew the heart of that song was something that they had felt themselves in their own situations. So I really think it depends on what kind of band you are. And for us, it, it, it tends to lean more that way where it's like you said, a little more up front and, and deeply personal. On that subject, today is uh, World Mental Health Day, and I just want to say real quick how much I appreciate having you and others like you as an advocate and someone that's never been afraid to speak up about that epidemic, and I know I'm not the only one that has shown you some appreciation for that, but definitely worth saying it out loud while I've got you. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. There's, there's so many days now for everything. I never know which which uh, day is what now, but that's interesting. Um, but thank you for saying that, yeah. Nothing more. Frontman Johnny Hawkins is my special guest. The band's sixth studio album, Spirits, arrives on Friday, and we can't wait to dig in and hear that body of work in its entirety. Back to what we were just talking about a little bit ago. Do you still prefer the listening experience an album provides, especially when it's enjoyed in sequence? I do. Uh, I will be honest, though. I, it's been rare that I've had that experience in the last few years. You know, there's, there was a, there's a band called Turnstile. Um, Love them. They're, they're probably the closest thing I had kind of experienced to a sequence where they came out with this music video that was almost like four music videos in one. Yep. And it was like four different tracks and they all just flowed together seamlessly. It was kind of like a little mini trip. And that was the first time in quite some time that I experienced a band doing that. And, and I really enjoyed how they, they modernized that experience because it was visual. Um, but, but yeah, most bands that are putting out albums, um, I don't really seem to experience the sequence as meaning much of anything or really having, uh, any kind of intention because everything's playlisted now, yep. you know, everybody just kind of picking cherry picking songs and put them on playlists. So, um, with our music, though, yeah, we are probably one of the last artists who who do kind of still stick to that. We do spend time on the sequence of our album, and, and there is a an ebb and flow 
listening start to finish to it. And, and not saying it's a concept album necessarily with a definite narrative, but I mean, do you ever write sequentially? Does it ever come out that way? Um, not necessarily. Like we, we usually write all the songs, um, just kind of at different times in no particular order. Okay. And then towards the end of the writing process, there will, we'll kind of see a theme that kind of reveals itself. Okay. And then we follow that thread and kind of thread everything together. So like you said, n- none of our albums are, are pure concept albums. Like, um, there was a band called Dredge that we used to listen to. Oh, and yeah. An album called El Cielo that was a concept album about sleep paralysis. And to me, that's like a true concept album where it's very definitive about what it's about and like everything kind of points to that. Um, ours are more like themed albums. Like there is a concept and a theme, but it's not as, I guess, on the nose. It's not the wall by Pink Floyd, in other words. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So you've been on the road within this moment recently, and we were fortunate enough to have uh, caught you back in late August here in Des Moines. Take me back to that place of uncertainty during the height of the pandemic, Johnny, whether that forced break was a much-needed breather from the routine or not. Was there ever a part of you that wondered what life might look like in the worst-case scenario where large-scale in-person events became a thing of the past? Yeah, um, yeah so... When to answer the first part of your question, when it started, like the whole pandemic, w- the timing was actually okay for us because we just had we had just finished our final tour of the stories we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. and so the timing couldn't have been better. And it was a much needed break because we've been really grinding on those two albums, the self titled album and the stories we tell ourselves, for quite some time really needed a break, needed some normalcy, needed some family life, you know, things that most people kind of take for granted until you're in a situation where you're on the road all the time. And so I, for the first few months, it was great. And then, then I felt like I was going insane. You know, after about a year's time, I was, uh, I was over it. I was ready to get back out there. And then I really started appreciating what it was that we have the, the, the pleasure to do as a, for a living and be in a different city every day and meet with different people all over the world and, and, and play music. So I, I think it really taught all of us uh, a lesson in gratitude. Um, because even with doing what we do, uh, night after night, you do start taking it for granted. Um, it's just kind of human nature to do that, I think. And, um, but yeah, to, to answer kind of the last part of your question, I think is when you were saying that, you know, large scale events not being, are being a thing of the past. I, I was, um, resolute in my, in my soul and in my spirit that I would not let that happen. Um, whether that, you know, if they tried to turn to legal means to, you know, basically make a quote unquote new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was willing to take it to the point of violence. <laughs> oh, wow. Make sure, sh- make sure that would not occur. Cause to me, it's so much bigger than that. It's not just, Oh, you know, they are, you know, there's a quote unquote new normal and it just has to do with events. To me, that was a gateway to kind of a, you know, a 1984 type situation. Sure, um, sure. I, I see it so much more as a, a form of control that when you 
when you start letting those things go as a society, um, you, you think that you're protecting yourself or, from some form of evil or, or danger, but really you're opening the door to a much, much more malevolent one. And so I, I know that concert seems to be kind of like a harmless example, but I viewed it as like the beginning of something much more sinister and, and much more global. And so, yeah, I was not willing to, to let that ground go. Obviously for the year or two, we all were um, because we just had never been through this as a society, True. you know, a pandemic type thing. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I was not willing to let a new normal uh, <laughs> occur well, personally. That's just me personally. No, you know? thankfully we've reached some semblance of normalcy where that's concerned. It is great to have that communal experience and I couldn't imagine life without it. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> did I read somewhere that you did your vocals in Fort Wayne, Indiana with Sahaj from raw? Yeah, actually uh, that's a uh, very uh, astute of you. To, <laughs> yeah. He, he was a great uh, helper in this album. Um, we had never worked together but we hung out in New Orleans. Uh, he happened to be down in New Orleans when I was there and had a mutual friend and just introduced us. And I was like, yeah, we should work together sometime. And I totally respected his his vocal abilities and kind of his melody writing. And when we worked together, I was just so impressed with uh, his abilities. You know, he's kind of one of those hidden gems where, you know, Raw had their level of success, but a lot of people still don't quite, know how talented that guy was so he he really helped me hone in a lot of melodies and vocal ideas on this album i love sahaj do you call my name is still one of my favorite songs our format has embraced over the past 20 years or so (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) thanks a lot johnny for the time today i appreciate it we're looking forward to friday and the release of spirits and then having you back in des moines at some point my friend oh absolutely cool man have a great day all right hey thank you so much